I'm Rob Freeman, president of Kane Brothers. During this unprecedented and disorienting time, the team at Kane Brothers is conducting weekly interviews with leaders from throughout the healthcare industry for this special edition Industry Insights series. Our goal is to provide you and your organization with a wide array of views on the multifaceted dimensions, challenges, and responses to COVID-19. Transcripts are available on the Kane Brothers website. Please share your feedback with me or any of your Kane Brothers contacts, and thanks for listening. I am Mike Elizondo, a director at Kane Brothers in our managed care practice, and today I am speaking with Dr. Steve Uverheide, President and CEO of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Dr. Uberhai is a board-certified internist with more than 25 years of experience in the health insurance industry. Prior to joining Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, Dr. Uberhai was Executive Vice President of Health Services and Chief Strategy Officer of Independence Blue Cross in Pennsylvania, and has held various roles with Prudential Healthcare as well. Dr. Steve, thank you for taking the time today to speak with us regarding COVID-19 and your perspectives as CEO of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana and as an internist, although obviously not a practicing physician these days. We're confident that your experience and insights will be valuable to the broader Kane Brothers client universe throughout the healthcare economy of the United States. Thanks, Mike. Happy to uh, join you this morning. Thanks. To start, both as a physician and as a Blue Health Plan CEO, I'd like to get your perspectives on where we are today, Friday, March 27th, in the healthcare crisis and the response to COVID-19 generally. Sure, Mike. Well, um, I think you know, different areas of the country are in um, different places, uh, but um, overall, I think we continue to see spread of the COVID-19 infection on a national basis. The United States now has the largest total number of cases in the world. Uh, we've surpassed China. Um, gratefully, um, we don't have the highest number of deaths yet, um, but we are seeing in the country um, uh, continued uh, spread of the virus in um, highly localized areas. Obviously, for us in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans is an area that has a very high uh, per capita rate of the infection. Unfortunately, one of the highest per capita death rates, um, but also New York City. Um, we're hearing this morning that uh, Chicago and Detroit um, are increasing. And what's challenging about this is that um, it, it, it really accelerates um, uh, at a very fast rate. Um, and it's probably accelerating uh, beyond our capacity to test. So I think what I would say to everybody is we, we are still in the process of this, um, this virus and this infection uh, spreading, which is why the um, social distancing and the measures to limit contact that can lead to spread of the virus are so important. And if you live in an area that um, does not yet have a high number of cases, uh, the best time to do the social distancing is before um, you have um, really high rates uh, in your community. 
so I think you know um, what I would say is 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 we're still um, we're still on the rise, um, and I think as many elected officials have said, certainly our governor, um, the mayors of our cities here in Louisiana, um, while it's troubling today, um, we're going to continue to see it get worse. And I think the, the, the real critical issue for all of us is when does the number of cases start to overwhelm um, our healthcare delivery system? And um, we're beginning to see that um, in selected areas. Dr. Steve, you mentioned social distancing and the optimal time to do that before it starts to become a crisis. Is it a, as a, as a physician yourself, is it a strategy to continue to practice social distancing after it's become a crisis? Does that make it even more acute to continue that strategy? Uh, I think it does. I mean, you know, social distancing, um, just to, to put it into sort of plain context, it, it means um, avoiding contact from people unless you need to be out and about. And if you are out and about, um, maintain a distance of at least six feet, you know, maybe preferably more than that. Um, limiting the number of times you go out of your home, um, you can certainly go out in your backyard, but um, uh, limiting the number of times you're coming in contact with other people, including going to the grocery store, the drugstore, et cetera. Um, hand washing is more effective than alcohol sanitizer, so wash your hands um, if you don't have access to alcohol sanitizer. And if you have access to some simple gloves, sometimes using that if you're going to go to an area where you think the virus may be um, on surfaces. But, um, you know, if you're in an area where the virus is highly prevalent, that's even more important than um, uh, you know before uh, it becomes widespread because the likelihood that you're going to come in contact with it just goes up. So the the question everybody wants to know is when can that um, go away? And I would say um, we're not there yet. Um, and I know that um, folks are getting concerned about the economy, the effect that the social distancing and business shutdowns are having on our economy. But if we don't take here now to, to practice that and we go back to sort of our normal daily routine too quickly, we're just going to, to see an accelerate, a further acceleration in the number of people that get uh, uh, impacted. And um, whether we're able to change the total number of people ultimately to get this virus and you know, many countries around the world have said, I think, appropriately that 70, 80% of their population is going to get it. And the reason that number is out there is that is the number of people that once they're infected, you get something called herd immunity and sort of the virus begins to die out. And so even though we may not be able to change that ultimate rate, what we're trying to do is slow it down and really slow it down so that the uh, healthcare delivery system does not get overwhelmed. And what the one thing that every person can do is maintain your social distance. And that's why that message is so important to the entire American people. Given that Louisiana has been particularly affected, what operational challenges have arisen as you and the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana team look to address the needs of your constituents, including your members, your employers, and as well as your own employees? Sure, that's a great question. So, you know, for us at the Cross of Louisiana, we we we're 
responding to the pandemic really from three lenses. Um, first, um, we're responding as an employer, like many new companies. How do we uh, manage our own employees through this? Second, as a health insurer and making sure we're there to uh, meet the needs of our members, um, work with our network of providers. Um, and then lastly, um, we have uh, in one market in um, Louisiana in the Monroe market, uh, we actually uh, have as part of our family of companies, uh, a medical group and a, and a small 10 bed hospital. So we're looking at it um, as a provider as well. So to start with us as an employer, um, our initial objective was to try to move as many of our employees uh, to work remotely as possible. The reason that's important is in a headquarter building where we had almost 2,200 people coming in and out every day, if we have someone who's been um, diagnosed with a COVID-19 infection walking around the workplace, they will likely have exposed a great number of people and um, not only do they need to be quarantined, but we want to make sure they don't come down with the infection. So we're delighted to say that in the course of one week, we moved almost 2,000 people um, out of the building uh, to work uh, remotely, um, a remarkable achievement by our IT team. And we're able to do that ahead of the stay-at-home mandate that um, the governor announced. Um, and Fortunately, um, to date, uh, while we've had a few of our employees been exposed to uh, people with COVID-19, um, none of our workforce uh, has uh, been infected. And, you know, that's the other challenge as an employer is you worry that if um, um, the virus spreads um, through a workplace, and what we know about the virus, I'll just say, is that it tends to spread um, most rapidly in confined settings. That's why nursing homes are such a challenge. It also seems to cluster in families um, in their own homes. And the same thing could happen in um, a workspace. We're seeing that in hospitals, actually. So getting your employees home um, and away from each other, again, the social distancing was important. Um, as a health insurer, um, what we've done is really tried to um, help both members and um, our providers. So on the member side, you know, we've announced, like others have, that um, we're going to waive cost sharing for COVID-19 testing. Um, we've uh, greatly expanded access to telehealth, um, and to the extent possible, we're trying to do that, again, with no cost sharing. Um, we've worked with our um, physicians and, and hospitals to actually expand their capacity to provide um, uh, services on a telehealth basis. And it's not just um, physicians. We've worked with therapists and behavioral health um, providers uh, to do that and have ramped that up significantly um, so that people can get the care they need without having to necessarily travel and be exposed to people um, that are coming in for acute care. And then lastly, um, on the provider side, while we'll only have a small footprint there, um, we, like others, are seeing the biggest challenge in shortages of personal protective equipment um, and in um, some of our own workforce uh, becoming ill as they treat patients. And so, um, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we've done a good job at managing all of those, but this is an evolving, uh, very fluid situation, and I think, like others, what we're doing is managing this as a crisis with a very formal crisis management process, 
one of the benefits of living in Louisiana, since we have a lot of hurricanes here, is we do have a good crisis management process that we're able to tap into um, that allows us to um, address things rapidly and, and respond. Um, and so uh, we're staying very focused on that. Thank you. With regard to your hospital and physician provider network, which are undoubtedly experiencing strain as in other parts of the country, what is your what is Blue Cross and Blue Shield Louisiana doing to provide support? Or in other words, what are your providers' key needs to support your membership? And how can Blue Cross and Blue Shield Louisiana address those needs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the hospital and physician network, um, the needs vary substantially by um, whether it is a hospital or a physician group. Um, it also depends on whether it's a, a, an urban area or a rural area. So um, the first thing we're doing is we're listening um, and um, uh, you know, trying to uh, meet their needs, which, which do vary. Um, going back to uh, the comment we just uh, made, you know, they all need help with expanding their ability to provide services to their patients remotely through telehealth, et cetera. So we've um, relaxed some of the criteria and you know, the federal government has responded that way too so that um, you know, some non-HIPAA compliant devices are now being allowed to be used for telehealth uh, services. Um, we're allowing uh, providers to get paid uh, for um, that expanded footprint of services and including in some cases just telephone calls um, if they don't have a video uh, capacity available. Um, and that's important for them so that they continue to get paid while providing services in a different way during this um, uh, uh, pandemic. Um, we've relaxed some of the um, you know, normal um, protocols that we have, such as prior authorization. We've uh, expanded access to medications uh, for our members um, and um, um, you know, relaxed again prior authorization requirements there. Really, from an administrative standpoint, to, to try to um, make it easier for hospitals and physicians that um, are becoming increasingly burdened with caring for COVID-19 patients. Um, you know, I think the financial support that is hopefully going to get passed today by the, the federal government um, is important um, to uh, the provider community. And, um, you know, I think uh, the, the providers um, are worried about cash flow, and so we're trying to address that. That, again, is not a one-size-fits-all, um, but um, we're also worried um, as an insurer um, about making sure that um, our, our financial strength is used, what it was set up there for, to take care of the healthcare needs of our members when um, those um, needs explode in a time of crisis uh, like this. And so, um, uh, again, we're, we're um, watching that carefully and, and trying to balance the needs of, of a lot of folks. Um, you know, we. We hope the stimulus money also comes down to businesses to allow them to have um, their employees stay employed, um, maintain their health coverage so that we can then in turn pass that money along to uh, the providers who are taking care of those people. And that's a great segue to the next topic. And we, we discussed a little bit about 
or you just discussed a little bit about the impact of the stimulus package passed by the Senate to the provider community and, and to business, but are there other areas that you feel the stimulus package will help particularly? And then secondly, are there areas at this time you feel may require additional support by either federal and or state uh, governments? So I think um, you know, the stimulus package is, is important. Um, I think um, we don't yet know how quickly those funds um, can be made available to both the, the states and the provider community that's um, going to need them as well as the business community. So I think that will be important to, to find out. There, there may need to be some things that all of us try to do to bridge um, to that point. Um, I think federal support for the provider community um, in terms of protective equipment, supplies, ventilators, and just assistance um, in setting up temporary hospitals, um, at least in select markets, is going to be critically important. We're seeing that in New York. We're um, seeing that now in, in New Orleans. I think we're going to see that in other major cities. Um, you know, I think Governor Cuomo, when he said, you know, this is where we are now, but this is where the rest of the country is going to be later, um, I think sent a pretty clear warning signal to all of us that, that we need to be prepared for things to um, get strained in other parts of the country. And um, our former uh, Secretary of the Department of Health actually was interviewed this morning on the Today Show and, and correctly said that what's very different about this crisis compared to other things that we deal with like hurricanes is the whole country is being impacted simultaneously. So unlike other events, weather events, where people from an un, a non-impacted part of the country can come to the aid of an area that's impacted, we don't have um, that flexibility in this crisis, which makes it um, you know, very different. But um, I, I do think in the supplies, um, protective equipment in particular for our healthcare workers, um, uh, if, they, if our healthcare uh, workforce is substantially diminished, because they become ill with COVID-19, um, that's just going to exacerbate the, the situation that much, uh, that much further. We spoke a little earlier uh, around Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana's role, particularly around telehealth and engaging with members. Are there other things that the company is doing to engage and interact with members in this time? And how do you view Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana's role in engaging with the broader Louisiana population outside of your own membership? So um, I think that, um, you know, first and foremost, if we want to make sure that we're communicating um, frequently and accurately with our members, with our providers about um, what is going on and, and how they can continue to depend on us as they have to help support their healthcare needs. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation um, potentially out there. And so um, whether it's CDC recommendations or um, uh, other recommendations from uh, healthcare professionals, um, we're trying to point people um, to accurate and correct information, um, trying to get them uh, guided to where the best um, care delivery could be for their issues. And just to remind us all that 
while obviously COVID-19 care is front and center, um, there are a lot of people with ongoing illnesses that um, continue to need care. Um, there are people that still are having, um, you know, urgent kind of um, uh, issues that need to be attended to. And so uh, we're trying to make sure that we provide that guidance where we, where we can. And um, we're not looking to be necessarily the preferred source of information on, on all things, but uh, we're, we are working cooperatively with others. The one area where I would say that we've um, lent a hand to the state is we have a very advanced uh, analytics um, department in our company and we've been able to um, use that to help the Louisiana Department of Health understand um, where people are going into hospitals, what are the diagnoses um, that they're going in for, and that really helps them from a planning perspective um, in understanding uh, and then maybe anticipating um, uh, where the virus is going to be going and what kind of support is needed in different areas around the state, and we're, we're happy to sort of lend them that capacity during this, uh, this crisis. And that's a great segue into the next topic I wanted to discuss, which is how is Blue Cross and Blue Shield Louisiana working with state and local governments and regulators, and how can government and regulators support Blue Cross and Blue Shield Louisiana? Um, you've clearly discussed how you are supporting state governments and regulators with uh, your analytics platform, but are there other ways that Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana can continue to support uh, local governments? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, it, again, I think it varies um, depending on um, the, the state. Uh, the issues will vary a little bit state to state. Um, I think, first of all, um, we have a very good relationship with our state government. Um, we have a good relationship with the governor's office, with the Department of Health, and with our Department of Insurance. and so. Uh, what we're doing really is making sure we're staying in touch with um, uh, all of those uh, state government uh, departments and um, understanding what we can do to be uh, helpful, provide information, um, and, and also in some cases um, provide some guidance that, that maybe some things that um, may seem to be beneficial, may have some unintended consequences that are actually not helpful in the long run. And um, uh, you try to provide some guidance there uh, as well. Um, you know, I think our biggest concern um, as, as an industry is that, um, you know, we're not um, put into a financial squeeze um, by, again, uh, well-intended uh, efforts to provide people with coverage, et cetera, that would actually you know, take away our reserves um, for other things than what they were originally intended for. And so um, we're trying to be cooperative in that nature, um, meet the needs of our, uh, our members, but also make sure um, that we're being careful custodians um, of the resources that are there for, for our customers um, and our members when they need it. Final question, Dr. Steve. At, at this early stage in the crisis, can you, um, as a health plan CEO and then physician, assess for us any lessons learned and changes that you would hope to see implemented for a response uh, to future healthcare crises? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
you know, I, I, I would say that in many cases, it's um, a little too early to, to look back on uh, lessons learned. Um, I think if you listen to Dr. Fauci um, from the NIH, um, maybe all of us realize now that uh, we probably wish we'd responded uh, sooner um, to uh, the virus than we did. Um, hard to know whether we would have made uh, different decisions with the information that we had at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there will be a time once we're, you know, through the, um, you know, the immediate crisis part where we'll, we'll look back and, and, and share information. And um, I'm hoping that's not too uh, far off. But right now, I would say it's a, a little too early uh, to really understand um, exactly how we could have managed this in a different way for a, a better outcome. And by the way, we're not alone in this country. I think the whole world um, uh, will learn from this uh, in, in a fundamentally different way. Um, there are some, I would say, some early silver linings um, on this. Uh, first, I think um, th there will be an enduring impact in terms of um, using telehealth and telemedicine to, to care for people. I think this crisis has um, shown us that that's important. And I think that uh, moving forward, uh, the delivery system will probably migrate to a much broader use of uh, telemedicine capabilities, which is probably a good thing for, for all of us. Um, but we'll have an opportunity to do that in a, in a more thoughtful and structured way at the end of the crisis. The other is as employers, uh, I think we've all learned that um, we can work remotely at scale uh, much more effectively than we would have thought, had, thought. And I think that's gonna have some enduring impacts on um, how we work and where we work. Again, in the long term, probably beneficial, although um, you know, prompted by this crisis. So um, you know, those are two things I, I think that um, we've learned as we've uh, responded, but the broader lessons I think are, are yet to come. Great. Well, I think this is a good place to conclude. Dr. Steve, thank you for your time today and your insights and perspectives on the current crisis. I hope you, your family, and the entire Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana team are and continue to be well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Stay safe.